need a boop boop and I'm my pee hole. Boop 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 boop. Best 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 cooking more uh that's something i should start doing but i've been going mostly the tv dinner route because that's what's available at the stores a lot of tv dinners yeah <laughs> it, it's, calmed, it's calmed down this week so i've been able to like find like i found some pasta made yeah some spaghetti and shit yeah well that's good it made some breakfast items you know hell yeah we've been cooking more which is, I think, a lot of people are doing, which is cool. I tried to make uh, some from scratch biscuits last night, and I failed because some fucking dumbass redneck screwed me on the internet. Uh, what what happened, Derek? Oh, it was infuriating because I only have a certain amount of flour right now, Jeff. I don't know if your store has any, but in Peoria, you can't buy a damn bag of flour if your life depended on it. That's I'm glad that five years ago I bought several bags of flour, not knowing that I already had it stocked up at the house. So you got plenty of flour. Yeah, I got more flour than I can handle. Okay, well, I'm in the I'm in the opposite boat. I have very little flour, and uh, I haven't been to the store in about two weeks, so maybe it's back. I don't know. Maybe people have calmed down on the panic buying. I don't know. But I think uh, they have. Oh, I think so, too. I think they're starting to realize, oh, all those people are still working. There's nothing to worry about. <laughs> but, uh, anyway, so, like, I don't have a lot of flour. And I'm like, you know what, I really want, we made dinner last night, I'm like, I really want some biscuits. So I look uh, look on my uh, cast iron cooking uh, group page on Facebook. And it's a wealth of information. I mean, it's a great page to be a, be a part of. A lot of people cook their biscuits in the cast iron in the oven. Oh, okay. So I was like, well, this will for sure have a good biscuit recipe. So I am go to the search bar, and I'm looking through the page, and I find this one guy who's like, you know, this is a really good one, and I had everything that he was calling for. So I was like, okay, I'll just try this, guys. But he wanted, it was, uh, I should have known better, but I don't know why I didn't think anything of it. But it was two cups of flour, and then it was like, teaspoon of salt teaspoon of sugar blah 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 like three three quarters of a cup of milk stick of butter but the thing was he called for a tablespoon of baking soda baking soda tablespoon so that was two cups of flour 
to one tablespoon of baking soda. And I was like, I didn't, I don't know. I'm not a baker. So I didn't think anything of it. I'm like, all right, here we go. Well, they tasted bitter as fuck. Like they tasted really bitter and weird. Like, oh. The first bite was hot and delicious. So I didn't notice it. Then I went and took a second bite. I'm like, no, there's something wrong here. You have failed me. So I went to the, I went to the internet and it said, yeah, use too much, either too much baking soda or baking powder and it'll give a bitter taste. And it said, it said for a cup of flour, you should use a quarter teaspoon of baking soda. So I should have used about a half a teaspoon of baking soda or yeah, half a teaspoon of baking soda because I had two cups. And I used a tablespoon. So it was way too much. You used twice as much baking soda? I used way, way too much. More than twice. Because it was half, it should have been a half a teaspoon and it was a tablespoon. Well, oh, a tablespoon. Yeah, so I went way overboard, man. It tasted like shit. I had to throw them away. So, oh god, that that's... I, I've been there and done that with that mistake. I mean, not... Not that mistake, but I've just uh, completely misread a recipe for, you know, I think it says teaspoon yeah. and I use a tablespoon, or I think it says tablespoon and I use a teaspoon and fuck shit up. Yeah, well, I'm willing to bet that's what happened, because if you're on, you know, if you're if you're into cooking enough to join a group on Facebook and post recipes and shit, like, chances are he typed it in wrong, because I went back and looked and I was like, no, that's what he said, but he, you know, he probably just typed it in wrong. Yeah. But fuck, dude. Goddamn autocorrect, Eric. I mean, it's just like when you're when you're low on flour, it's like that's really frustrating. Yeah. It's like oh, I could totally. I could have made some fucking brownies or something. Yeah. You well, could make a lot of delicious things. Yeah. Well, we also we did make some uh, pumpkin spice uh, cupcakes with a vanilla buttercream frosting that were delicious. Oh man. So we we've been cooking a little bit. <clears throat> well, Eric, speaking of cooking, you know, I'm not the, uh, I'm not the cook here. I got very little to say, but, uh, we got a debut of a segment that I would tease for later on. Well, is, if, you yeah, go ahead and tease it, but I think if he's available right now, maybe we get to it right now. Oh, uh, okay. Since we're talking about biscuits. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, so we're having, uh, our old friend... Jason Schirbeck on the podcast. He's going to debut his new segment. Uh, it's called Cooking with Short Shorts. Okay. <laughs> okay. These trying times, you're at the house and you're cooking. You know, you're not wearing your fancy pants. No, you might not have any pants on at all. Yeah, you might have short shorts on. Okay, I like it. So, Cooking with Short Shorts. Hell yeah. Are they short jean shorts, I hope? Oh, yeah, they're cutoffs. Yeah. They about called the segment Cooking with Cutoffs. Oh, that's both Both are good names. Cooking yeah. with short shorts or Cooking with Cutoffs. Well, we'll leave it up to him. Uh, yeah, is he think he's available? Give him a call. Yeah, I'll give him a call. Just give me a second. Okay. Eric, can you hear us? I can hear you, huh? Hey, 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 Papa Tomlin, hell yeah. Hey, what's up, man? How you been? Good, how you doing? Good, I heard you got a new segment for us called Cooking with Short Shorts. <laughs> I sure do. And what was the other option that you were considering? Cooking with cutoffs? <laughs> I think it was 
cooking with legs, wasn't it, Jeff? <laughs> yeah, that was, that was the third option. <laughs> I don't know, man. That might be the winner. I re- I really like that. But um, yeah. So this is our new thing. His idea too. Well, I mean, based off of a fantasy name too. Yeah, cooking with legs. That's. <laughs> I like it. Okay, well, take it away, Jason. What are we talking about here? Well, I kind of thought we'd talk about just a basic hand-tossed, kind of Neapolitan-style or New York-style pizza. Oh, please. So that's the history of the origin of pizza? Yeah, I think okay. it is. Somebody, okay. Well, the, the history of the margarita pizza. So somebody, okay, she like ordered, I, I forget exactly like which city she's from in Italy or country or not country <laughs> or, or like, I, I don't know. But um, yeah, that's basically, yeah, could, I think it, well, yeah, it's Naples. Yeah, the queen of Naples. Okay. So hence Neapolitan, but. So that's how, like, the basic Neapolitan pizza got started that we know is, like, you know, New York styles based off of and everything like that. Okay, so describe a New York style for us, for those who don't know. All right, so New York style pizza is just a dough that's not... Okay, so if you're talking straight-up Neapolitan pizza, you're just going to have four ingredients. You're going to have flour, water, yeast, and salt. Okay, the New Yorkers added two things to this just to make it a little more flavorful a little make it a little more relaxed okay the relaxation comes from a little bit of oil okay a little olive oil of course and then the yeast becomes a little more activated with sugar so that helps the the dough i guess kind of progress faster Um, you gotta put sugar if you're gonna be cooking american so that's probably why they did that yeah (laughs) totally exactly yeah Uh, so that, um, yeah, so that's going to make that happen faster, the fermentation process, which is going to feed those hungry American stomachs Yes. Yes. <laughs> in due time, if you will. Okay. So, it's going to start with a dough that has those, I guess, what is that, six ingredients then. And so, I preferably, when I make a pizza, I mix all those things together. I mean, we can get the measurements now if you want to, but I thought we'd just keep it basic. Okay, yeah, just tell, yeah, whatever you want to do, man. Okay. <laughs> All right, well, so I, I will just start with mixing a little bit of warm water with some yeast, okay? And we're going to let that bloom. So what that is, so basically the, the yeast is being activated. Yes. Oh, and I forgot, and a little sugar with that, too. That's when the sugar is going to help um, start the yeast activation. It's going to, it's, the yeast is uh, going to eat the sugar, actually. Okay, so okay. when when I go to buy this yeast, are you buying active dry, or what are we talking here? 
Sure, active dry, what, whatever instant yeast, just any kind of commercial yeast is is going to be you know predictable as opposed to you know if you're using like your homemade sourdough or some kind of other like you know fresh yeast. Okay. So you're going to get those three things together, and then you're going to give it about ten minutes, and now you're going to add your flour, and you're going to mix all that shit together. And then you're going to add oil, and then you're going to let that sit for about half an hour, and then you're going to incorporate the salt. Okay. okay? And you're incorporating the salt last because um, it's going to hinder, basically, your yeast development. So you don't want the yeast develop- development to be hindered because that's going to give you that good, uh, fluffy chewiness that we're looking mm-hmm. for in this New York style pizza dough, which is the most important part of pizza is the dough. It's about 90%, I'd say, maybe a little less of, of you know, what you're going for here. Yes, yes, I agree. <laughs> All right, so what, what do we have here? Where are we at? We're at, we're at <laughs> dough is mixing. Okay, so we got the dough mixed. Now we want to knead the crap out of it. So kneading the dough is going to create gluten development. And you want that also for the chew. And those, you know, when you cut into like a good piece of sourdough or something, it's got big bubbles in it. It's got, you know, it's almost like a spider web or something like that. These are, uh, what are they, gluten networks. Gluten networks. Okay. (laughs) Okay. Uh, Yeah, band name, gluten networks. Um, (laughs) But, uh. So yeah, knead it for quite some time. I mean, this is real basic. Uh, people are real particular with bread, especially bakers are, you know, real serious about kneading and all kinds of shit like that. But we're just going to keep it simple right now because you're making a pizza. Okay, but you can't... You <laughs> so can't... you're going to knead it and then you're just going to put it into a bowl. Uh, preferably, for, for, sorry, I can't talk. Preferably with a little bit of oil, just so it doesn't stick to the sides. And then you're going to put that, that sucker in the fridge. And you're going to let that sit for at least 24 hours. And what that, that's going to create some, A, flavor, and B, it's going to enhance the um, gluten networks in there. So you're going to have, you know, a flavorful dough, and it's going to be strong because it's got all that gluten, which is just a, a protein. You know, you got, you, you, got, you got muscle boys eating protein to keep shit strong. Same thing with the dough. Okay. Uh, Okay. So this so, is what this is the proofing. Sure. Yeah, you can call this proofing or just bulk fermentation. It's really either either way. Okay. It's just yeah, it's just proofing. So yeah, you're gonna develop flavor, protein, and basically the dough is just gonna get bubbly because the yeast is eating all the sugar in there. Okay. So you take that out after 24 hours or so. You let it sit on the counter. Let it get warm because it's really hard to deal with if it's not room temperature. It's just it's it's you know when you if you ever dealt with really difficult dough before, you know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, it sucks. Yeah, me and Jeff used to have to take out a uh, a dough disc from the freezer, and then we would put it in a greased up pan and then put it in a in into the proofing process that you speak of yeah at, at the pizza hut okay yeah except so, we didn't have any balls we yeah, had discs we frozen dough here before too <laughs> so that's just some kind of expedited you know corporate yeah. corporate fat cat shit yeah yeah, yeah. 
No, that's awesome, though. I mean, that's I, I, we, Andrea and I still to this day love a good stuffed crust with extra cheese. Hell yeah! Oh yeah. So is that so? That's who you. I hear somebody in the background there. Why don't you introduce us to your uh, consigliere? Okay, uh, consigliere is named Andrea Wagoner. Hello. Okay, so she assists you. She assists you with the pizza. Is, um, with me today because she is the sauce expert, and she also has some decent wine knowledge here. I, and, and decent is a uh, understatement. Yeah, okay. She knows a lot about wine. Being modest. <laughs> Yeah, I am being modest. Yeah, we're also lovers. Lovers, we love. <laughs> okay, okay, so it's more than a professional relationship. Yes. Yeah, okay. it's a little bit more than that. I'm okay. sorry to say. Okay. Yeah. All right. The old snake in the bag. Yeah. So <laughs> sorry. Okay, so we're ready to. Where are we at here? All right. Those are fermentation, right? Fermentation happened 24 hours at least. <laughs> It happened. We're taking that dough out of the fridge. It sat because we wanted to relax and get to room temperature. Then we're going to form it into balls. Um, you know, dough ball, I, and everything should be by weight here, too, um, preferably just because flour is unpredictable when you're measuring it, you know, in cups or things like that. That's just pro just, tip. Pro tip. Yeah, that's serious. <laughs> here, get a kitchen scale. It's like 30 bucks. And then you can weigh out your weed or whatever yeah. on it too, maybe Mul- if you want. Multi-purpose. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and um, so yeah, weigh out those dough balls. I'd say I don't know, maybe like eight nine ounces, maybe more for a you know fourteen to sixteen inch pizza. So you're going to want to do that, and then you're going to want to let those sit. You know, flour those, flour the crap out of them. And then put them on like a cutting board or in some kind of like, you know, baking pan and then cover them with um, a moist paper towel or a moist towel or bran wrap, something like that for about three hours. And those are going to double in size. Okay. Okay. And you're waiting for those to double in size. And once those double in size, you're ready to go. So, and I forgot to mention here, another important um, thing besides a kitchen scale to have would be a baking stone, okay? They oh, what? Up. So a baking stone is basically, you're trying to replicate, like, the bottom of a classic, you know, oven, like a pizza oven, like a gas oven, whatever, wood fire, what have you. So you put that in your oven, you got to heat it up for at least an hour. It, it, the highest your oven goes. Our, our piece of shit IKEA oven probably goes to, like, 450 max. It claims it goes to 500, but it is not. No, no. <laughs> so you want that in there for that long because you just want it to heat up, and that's going to help you get that crispy crust on the bottom like a New York style. Oh, I love it. Otherwise, you're not going to get that. You're not going to get that uh, browning. Okay. With the crispy. So once you got the balls ready after you know three hours, they're doubled in size, then you're going to – this is the hard part. We're, we're, we're talking tossing dough here. Yeah. Scary. It's fucking scary. <laughs> it is fun. So this is going to, this is when you're going to figure out if, you know, your dough's easy to work with or not. Like this is when you're going to start, you know, if you're going to be making pizzas all the time, you're going to figure out, well, I did something wrong or I did something right. <laughs> Cause it's going to be, 
you know, easy to toss or not. And I mean, I'm not a, you know, a, an altruist here or anything like that. You can you know, feel free to use a rolling pin. You know, don't be scared. Okay. I'm a little scared. Okay. <laughs> so roll this sucker out. And then you're going to want to put it onto a pizza peel, okay? Covered in semolina flour, which is kind of like cornmeal, but a little finer ground, okay? Yeah. This pizza peel is just a fancy name for, like, a wooden paddle that you see at pizzerias. You know what I'm talking about? I know exactly what you're talking about. Okay. So you're going to put that pie on there once you stretch it out, you know? And, I mean, for stretching, there's all kinds of techniques. It's kind of hard to talk about over the phone. It's more of a... In person type deal, you get the fists in the dough, you let the weight of the dough stretch itself, blah, blah, blah. You don't want it to be too thin in the middle. And if you want a nice big crust, make a big crust by pressing, you know, your fingers around it before you start stretching it. Now, do you throw it in the air or is that just for visual? That's just for fun. I think that's for fun. Okay. I think that's, uh, uh, you know, uh, a fun thing that when people are waiting in line at a pizzeria, they like to see. Okay. I, I- I do this method that Jason taught me. What is it called? Like using your hands like a boxer? Yeah, you could do that, yeah. So you put your hands like you would if you were about to box somebody and then kind of stretch the dough around the outside. Oh, man. I know know exactly what you mean. I'm doing it right now. So you put your hands like like you were boxing somebody and then you would put the dough kind of over it and so you stretch out. You just kind of go along the outside and move with your hands, um, still in fists. And it stretches it out perfectly, honestly. Yeah. Yep, I know exactly what you mean. I'm doing it right now. Yeah. <laughs> you can use a towel, you know, to practice this. You know? Yeah. So you don't waste your dough, especially during times like this when, you know, you got your dough, you don't want to go back outside and get sick, get your family sick, get yeah. old people sick and everything like that. Yeah. So, I was just telling Jeff, I, I'm out of flour and you can't find any damn flour. Fuck that shit. I know. And I wasted... Can really- <laughs> yeah, I can't, I can't... Well, I haven't been in like a week and a half or two weeks, so I don't know. That could change by now. Maybe people are done panic buying, but... Uh, yeah, yeah. I couldn't find any flour, and I wasted it last night making from scratch biscuits, and I accidentally added too much uh, baking soda and ruined them. But that's neither here nor there. Okay. That, that's another That's another topic. Too much baking soda in the biscuits. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to cut, Eric. It was terrible. Uh, and you had a boy to feed, too, you know? Yeah, and I, now I'm low on flour. Now, but... <laughs> no. All right. Where the hell were we? I think All it's right. time to get some damn yeah. sauce on this pie. All right, here we go. Sauce on the pie. Okay, and this is when you kind of want to work... This is when you want to work fast. So you got the, the pie after it's stretched on the semolina-covered pizza peel. And you want to work a little fast because otherwise that dough's going to start sticking. Oh. And here we go. Andrea with the sauce. Well, I mean, just a basic sauce for a margarita is just going to be um, whole peeled San Marzano tomatoes, which you're then supposed to squeeze by hand, and then garlic, olive oil, and salt. And then you're supposed to let it sit for, now it's facing at home. Like an hour to marinate. Yeah, like an hour to marinate. And it actually does change the flavor of it. Um, But like Jason said, once you get um, the dough on the pizza peel, you just have to spread out the tomato sauce as quickly as possible, starting in the middle and working its way out. Okay. Okay, beautiful. 
and then we're putting toppings on. Well, whatever the hell you tell us about. You know, if we're making, you know, New York style pizza, they're just going to use like a you know low moisture mozzarella. Um, but we've kind of found, and through this guy, Joe Badia, who wrote this book, Pizza Camp, um, he um, introduced this this idea of using um, whole milk mozzarella, like shredded mozzarella, yeah. and um, not shredded. Yeah, whole milk mozzarella. Yeah, well, you don't, you shredded. don't, yeah, you don't buy it shredded. You, you shredded. No, if you buy shredded cheese, it's gonna have like anti-caking shit in it and stuff yep. like that. It's not going to yep. melt as good. Yep. And so you want to buy the whole milk stuff, and then you want to have um, fresh mozzarella on there too because that's going to give you this, like, creamy, really, really cheesy, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles-type cheese. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, you want to – when you take a bite and you pull that away, you want that all over your face. Exactly. It, it swings down and hits your shirt. doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, and that's really the trick that we learned from this dude. And he, if I, I mean, I'm, I'm going to plug him right now. Pizza Camp by Joe Badia. He's a, a, a he owns a pizza shop in uh, Philadelphia, and um, he's pretty cool. And wait, that's for, he, another, that's he, for another day. But he, um, once you got the cheese on, then you can put whatever the hell you want on, you know. Or you can put toppings under the cheese. It's up to you. Um, if you're gonna put sausage on it, put raw sausage. Don't cook that shit beforehand unless you're making like some kind of like butch's pizza, like we're used to, like the, the thin crust the quad, type deal. Yeah, the quad yeah. quad city style. <laughs> yeah, totally. And Isn't that what that is? I, I'd like to talk about a good thin crust pie another time. Okay. But, uh, because we love that here, probably more than the classic New York style Neapolitan, what have you. But um, once you got those toppings on, you're gonna get that pizza into the oven and this is the tricky part it's kind of flicking it off the peel um onto the pizza stone that's been in there for an hour you know at 500 degrees it's a hot oven you want to flick it on there you don't want the pizza to scrunch up and turn into some kind of like half-assed calzone thing that hasn't been folded no yeah i would definitely do that (laughs) yeah that's by by flicking means like it's kind of like a shimmy shake yeah yeah. You, you you take the peel and you kind of shake it on very slow, well, not slowly, quickly, quickly yeah. and carefully. Yeah. Wow. Quickly, carefully. In there, I mean, you're you got your pizza. Yeah, and you're, you're cooking you it. Take it out when you think it's done. You know, you give it. I'd say 500 degrees. You can give it, you know, eight to 12 minutes depending on your oven. And you're gonna take that bad boy out. And here's also the trick that Mr. Joe Badia taught us. You're going to drizzle that with the best olive oil you can find. And then you're going to shred some really good Parmesan Reggiano on there. So wait. And then, you know, put some fresh basil on there, and then you cut it, and you got a delicious pizza. Where was the olive oil drizzled? The entire za? Yes. Yeah, on the entire za, just, we're talking, it's just like a garnish. So, like, oh, man. drizzle it in a circular fashion. And it's going to be a greasy pizza. This isn't oh. going to be... We're not talking healthy pizza here. That's, no. It's got to be so for, greasy. Yeah, I love it. Crowd. I love the greasy pizza, man. Yeah. It's the best. Jeff, have you tried one of these pizzas that they're talking about? I think, Jay, I, I know I've watched them during this whole process. I've seen them doing the boxer technique. I've seen the, the stone. I'm pretty sure I had a final bite, and it's delicious if I have. I know that. Oh, it sounds yeah. so good. 
Yeah, Jeff had some, I, I think it was maybe like right around Christmas. Yeah. We made a bunch of pizzas, and you had quite a few pizzas. If I oh, yeah, absolutely. There we go. <laughs> oh, my God. Absolutely. So, some uh, party favors and some late nights. Uh, I, me- I remember this vividly now. Yeah. <laughs> so, did you guys, this guy, I forget what his name was, so he had like a little in-shop uh, pizza tutorial. Is that what you're talking about? Uh, so, Joe Badia? Yeah, the camp. Uh, so, he's got this book, Pizza Camp. But, yeah, he started this pizza place in Philadelphia in, like, I don't know, 10 years ago or something like that. But it's, like, the most badass pizza concept. He doesn't have a telephone. It's just him and one other guy. He makes all the pizza, does everything. The other guy just handles the cash register. And there's like, and he only sells 60 pizzas a day. And he's just open from, I think he's only open for like six hours, and you got to wait in line and pick it up yourself. Oh, my, you just blew my mind. So wait, how do you how do you place the order? You walk in, you place your order, and then you wait. Oh my god, I love I love shit like that. I love people that take all the horribleness out of the restaurant industry, and they're just like, <laughs> "Fuck you, we're gonna do it this way." Yeah, this guy is incredible. You got to check him out. He's like super humble. And I, he opened up, and he's well. And the reason I found out about him is because of Eric Wareheim from Tim and Eric. Oh yeah, he loves pizza. He loves pizza, and he's from Philadelphia, so they're actually old friends. Oh and, man. And he like, and and so Joe Padilla won like best pizza in America somehow through Bon Appetit magazine, which is like super fucking prestigious. Yeah. In like, and I, I don't know, 2015 or something like that. So, and this is where oh, I learned a lot of these like tips and tricks. I mean, we've done some modifications, you know, because I worked in pizza so long. But like, this guy is just super humble. Like, he doesn't brag at all. Like, he tells you where he got his tips and tricks, and he's just a badass. Well, you guys need to go to the Pizza Expo in uh, Las Vegas. Eric, I've, I've wanted to do that for years now. Oh, it's so fun. I, I went one year. You guys got to go. It's a lot of fun. Well, it's a lot of bullshit, too. You went one year? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, that was the only time I've ever been to Vegas. Uh, yeah. What'd you go for? Just the hell of it? No, remember uh, this? the guy I used to work for at past jobs was uh, starting to make his own pizza. And like he knew okay. he, he knew he wasn't going to do anything crazy, but basically just to take a trip. But uh, we couldn't do it. I feel like you told me about this now. I'm sorry, I forgot. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you remember, if if uh, if you remember Jason describing this process, it's pretty intense. Like you're talking about a 24 hour proofing, if you will, and then yeah. and then three hours after that, right? Mm-hmm. And then the actual cooking process is fast. But yeah, you the, can. The, yeah, it's insane how you take so much time and then yeah, so the you, cooking process is so fast and so freaking crucial. I mean, and I'm sorry to interrupt, but yeah, like if, you, if you're if you cooking with a wood fire oven, which is like the Neapolitan way or whatever, those pieces are not supposed to take more than 90 seconds. Yeah. So that's a, at least a 900 degree Fahrenheit oven. Yep. And what that, so, guy, that guy you're talking about has done is he has eliminated the... One of the biggest problems with making a real pizza like that is that you you he, you don't have to predict your customers anymore. Like you know, it's like we talked about it's twenty four hour plus process. So if you make a hundred dough balls and you only use seventy, 
by the time you get to the next day, they're like half as good. Yeah. That's so, an extremely good point. Holy shit. Yeah, so that, that's why a lot of places can't pull off what you're talking about. Is because they yeah. can't they can't predict their customer base. That's why Pizza Hut everything's fucking frozen. Uh-huh. And uh, so so what you so what what that guy did is brilliant. He's totally eliminated that guessing game. He's just gonna have sixty dough balls ready. He's gonna make them all. Yeah, and you got. I mean, with the Pizza Hut thing, you know, you're freezing them. That's why there's so many additives and things like that. Yeah. You know, just yeah. to have that perfectly consistent pizza every time. And that's just not really, like, the nature of food. Like, it's not going to be... I mean, it's going to be as consistent as you make it. But, you know, the, the variables are... That's what makes, like, food cool. Special. Yeah. 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 Yeah, that is amazing. So so why do you not... Are you planning on opening a pizza shop? We want to. That's the pipe dream, man. Man, that's, you have to. I wish I had... I wish I won the lottery. I'd give it... I mean, we got... Sorry, I, I wish I could fund your. I wish I could fund your pizza shop. Is what I'm saying. Oh, oh, <laughs> no. oh it well, sounds Eric, amazing. You're a little boy now. You, 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 you shouldn't be funding pizza shops. Yeah, but I'm just saying. I wish I had a bunch of money to toss around just to fucking fund this pizza shop. It sounds amazing. Yeah. But you, but you guys can pull it off, man. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, it's that sounds delicious. I I am I'm, I'm gonna listen back to this and make a make a za. Uh, <laughs> I think you should, and yeah, check out Pizza Camp, the and, book, and and there's like this good um, this book called The Pizza Bible by Tony Gemignani. That's a good one, and the, Andrea got me both these books because she just knew I was so into pizza, and. You know, they, they just helped me so much. So the Pizza Bible and Pizza Camp, more importantly. Pizza Camp by Joe Badia. B-E-D-D-I-A. Okay. Hell yeah. Real quick, uh, uh, we got this delicious za. I don't drink myself, but Wagner mentioned oh, some yeah. uh, wine pairings. So, Andrea, some real quick wine pairings for this margarita pizza, huh? Okay, all right, got it. Real quick, um, I mean, if if you are in Italy, um, we were there two last fall, mm-hmm. um, and the best thing to do is just get a cheap Sangiovese that they have. It usually comes, like, on tap, and it'll be, like, six bucks for a liter, and that's kind of the best thing to do if you're in Italy. If you're here um, with pizzas, as long as the toppings are pretty light and not very meat heavy, I would go with something lighter like a Pinot Noir or a Montepulciano. If you're a white wine fan, um, you want to go with a bigger, bolder white wine. I always say Chardonnay, but do a French Chardonnay so it's not too oaky or buttery. And those are my wine recommendations. All right. Thank you. Man, I, I just had a Pinot Noir last night. Yeah. I wish I would have had a delicious za. <laughs> <laughs> uh, All right, well, you got you got anything else for him, Jeff? Huh? I said you got anything else for him before we uh, wrap up the segment? I don't think so. Thanks for having us both. I really appreciate it. It's fun talking food with you guys, and we yeah. we love the podcast, and it's badass, and. You know, Eric, we're 
are super happy for you. You got you got a little boy in your life. Like it's awesome. Oh you yeah. Make a help that. I know that. Oh, thanks, brother. Yeah, it's been it's been amazing so far. So it's, it's a great time to be alive, despite the uh, COVID nineteen crisis. I hear you. That's scary too. But I mean, you know, we'll stay inside, love our families, and cook some cook some pizza if we get flour. <laughs> Fuck yeah, dude. Well, uh, we're gonna have you back. This was amazing. I'm not sure we've ever had anybody with such a wealth of knowledge on one topic. This might be the best we've ever done. seriously and do you guys like julia childs we do okay because i i love julia childs and i'm trying to think of uh some imaging for this segment and i might have to incorporate her signature voice (laughs) (laughs) okay all right well thank you guys for coming on we'll do it again huh all right see ya all right bye thanks bye all right all right. That, that, that's why we need someone besides my knowledge. Well, on, I, on food because sweet Jesus, that that was amazing. Yeah, I mean that was be- that was way better than any of our wrestling knowledge for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's safe to say. <laughs> we 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 about turned from a wrestling podcast into a cooking podcast just with that one. God story. damn, that was a great. Like I'm I'm really gonna. If I'm gonna go on a hunt, whenever I crawl out of this hole to go back to the grocery store, I'm coming home with flour and, and yeast and a, and a fucking uh, a stone for the oven. You better believe it. I'm going to Bed Bath and Beyond. Hell yeah, dude! And if there's no essential workers there, then I'm putting a fucking essential brick through the window and head in <laughs> looting style. I'll just leave. A, I'll leave cash on the desk and a note. Uh, Hell yeah, dude. So, um, yeah, so that went a little longer than we'd hoped, but you can't just cut off that good content. No, no, you can't. You gotta let that shit ride. So, uh, we'll figure it out. I'll cut some crap out, um, from before that, I'm sure, because we didn't have a whole lot to say, besides the... No, we were talking flowers, so... Besides the depressing, uh, bullshit that everybody has to listen to 24-7. Yeah. That. So uh, anyway, let's talk. Let's talk some damn wrestling before we give uh, Bork yeah. a call. I mean, I don't think there's a whole lot to talk to talk about. No, uh, that, that's the thing with wrestling that I want to talk to you just big picture. Like since the COVID, have we really gone further with any of these storylines? No, there's been a, a whole lot of just nonsense, dude. Just just amping up. Yeah. I mean, I, let's talk about, okay, let's start here. I want to talk about, uh, not last, this is recorded on Saturday the 28th, so not last night's SmackDown, but the SmackDown before, mm-hmm. which, which was, because uh, they don't post the, the SmackDowns, I don't know when they post them, Jeff, but I'm never able to watch it before the podcast. Of course. So, uh, last week's SmackDown starts out with Gronk. What did you think of this? Um, actually, our show, Levitard, was talking about this because it's a sports wrestling crossover, so they feel that they can chime in on it. Uh, one of them actually made a good point, is that Gronk, like, this is a terrible spot for him because he's the type of guy who needs a crowd. He can't just come out here to a silent arena 
and work well. Like, he lives on the hype. Yeah. So, I, I wasn't a fan of it. Like, him and Mojo just, like, acting like, like they, they came across just like bullies. Like, I feel like they're heels. Yeah, it was terrible, dude. I, I, mean, I can't even describe how much I hated that segment. It's like it, it, it wasn't good at all. No, just just stop. I hate I hate everything about it. I hate the fact that they always try to pull some outsider in for the big show to try to draw in the casuals like we've talked about. It's just frustrating. I hate that they do it at all and then they use Gronk and it was just terrible, man. I hated it. The the no crowd, I mean, never has the no crowd factor been more of a factor than in this segment. Exactly. It was just like, God damn, he did this cheesy dance on the way to the ring. It's like, get your football ass out of my arena, okay? Seriously, he's just, his, his physique is not that Vince McMahon physique yet. He looks like a giraffe out there. Yeah. <laughs> I've used to seeing this guy in pads where he looks like a polar bear. Yeah. Now he looks like a fucking giraffe because he's not wearing pads. And he's like real life friends with Mojo Raleigh, which I'm assuming like Mojo was a football player or something. Of it's, course. It's just Are like Yeah, it's it's part of the reason why I can't I can't get on board with Mojo and that's probably why. And but I don't know, other people have done it, like Roman Reigns, Baron Corbin, they're both football players. And they do a fine yeah, Brock Johnson. Yeah, they do those those guys I mean, obviously those guys do a great job, so I don't know why that Certain people can't do it, but yeah, these two just still seem like football players, and it's like, get the fuck out, dude. Here's the other thing that kind of limits Gronk. He already has basically made his wrestling character years and years before he started being a wrestler. Like, we already know what his his personality is supposed to be like. He's this fun-loving party boy. He just wants to shake his ass. Yeah. Yeah, and like but, you said, the, I mean, the crowd, it's a huge factor. It doesn't work. If we're, if we're going to have a fun-loving party boy, I'd rather go with a five-star booty than Grox myself. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I mean, did I say five-star? Oh, yeah, you did, Jeff. You better recognize. Six-star booty, baby. Yeah. Uh Shout out to JT Energy. I, I believe he's up on the, uh, he's been, he's been covid but I think the independent wrestling scene has been killed by the COVID. I'm sure, but hopefully it'll rise back. Oh, it'll rise back. We ain't going to be doing this shit forever. I'm not going to allow it. That's true. Uh, I was trying to think. There's something else that I actually cared about. Is this the one where there was a... Oh, yeah, it was. Uh, I thought the Miz, John Morrison, and Heavy Machinery match was actually really cool. Yeah, um... It was a good match through and through. There's a promo before that Miz and Morrison came out and did, uh, where they're basically just making fun of each of the tag teams. But I thought they actually this is a spot where WWE utilized the empty arena to their advantage. You know. Yep, they did something. It's true. It's true. I was so gonna kind of hate on it, but they did they do did, something. What they did was basically uh, Miz and Morrison would like make fun of the New Day, like say some comment snarky about the New Day, and then they cut to uh, Miz and Morrison in New Day's attire, Eddie Murphy style, you know, 
kind of a a la Nutty Professor type thing where they're just playing the New Day characters. Like one of them had the uh, uh, unicorn in the pancake plan and the other had the uh, giant giant suit on, you know? Yeah, the unicorn suit. Yeah, god damn, I explained that terribly, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, and they did it with everybody. They had the Usos characters, they had a... A very poor rendition of Heavy Machinery. Yeah, but I mean, they, they weren't going to fat shame him or anything. Yeah. So they just dressed up as pieces of bacon. Yeah. But they could have. You can still do fat people in 2020. For some I reason. I thought they would have gone more redneck, personally. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, it wasn't a terrible segment. They went through and made fun of all the tag teams. But I thought the, I thought the actual match was cool. Like, uh... We've seen so much, or maybe I've been missing it because I don't catch a lot of SmackDowns, but we see so much of heavy machinery in these goddamn, like, four fatal four ways, and, you know, and they don't get a chance to get all their shit in. That's true. So, They've been getting uh, sidetracked a lot to those those uh, multiple tag team matches. So the, I thought this was cool. They got all their shit in, uh, all their tag team stuff they do together. I thought it was a really cool match. Oh yeah, they're, they're, they're sneaky great in ring. They don't have just great charisma. Like It's not just like that hot spot after the hot tag that they're well in. They're, they're good throughout the match. They sell shit well. They just keep you enthralled. Yeah. Actually, this one had a couple good matches. The Daniel Bryan, Drew Gulak uh, versus Cesaro and Shinsuke was really good. Yeah, totally. Uh, Actually, those are the only two matches on the uh, on the show. Yeah. Live matches. Yeah, I guess the only other thing was the the Goldberg Roman Reigns contract signing, which I was like really bummed out about. I was like, man, I don't even want to watch this bullshit. But luckily, they only relegated five minutes of it. Yeah, they 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 knew that there was no content there, just to stare down. So they got the stare down, and they like you said, I think they gave it maybe five minutes or less. Yeah. So did you hear about that? What about it? That that match is canceled, bruh. Roman versus Goldberg is canceled. Yeah, Roman's hanging but, hanging it up due to COVID. They, 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 they signed the contract, Derek. That's that. Yeah, that's a good I that's a good point. Lifestyle. That's a good point. I wonder what they're gonna do. I bet we found out last night. I I haven't looked into it yet, but I wonder if they addressed it last night. But. It could be rumor, but WWE never said anything about it. But word on the streets is that uh, Roman isn't taking any more chances due to the virus and his uh, leukemia past. Uh, so wait, Roman isn't or yeah, Goldberg isn't. Roman's pulling out because of the leukemia. Oh, I, I when you first said, it, I thought you said Goldberg. My bad. That that, that definitely makes sense then. Yeah. So, I, I, WWE never said anything official, so could be bullshit, but that's what everybody's, like, you know, I think it's probably real. Uh, that's wild. Uh, so, I mean, it's not like we need to find a replacement for Goldberg, he just said his ass on the sideline. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So well, that's, that's a damn shame. Mania without Roman again, uh, allegedly. Yeah. No, it is whack, man. But it was uh, it was kind of a crappy match anyway, so fuck it, whatever. I have one other thing from uh, this SmackDown, Eric. 
and it wasn't that important, but the Bailey uh, page segment, they utilized the uh, Skype as we've become accustomed in these trying times to seeing everyone's living rooms via yeah. Skype or via Zoom or yep. what have you. Yep. Uh, Bailey and Paige with Sasha in attendance were doing like a back and forth where Bailey was talking to her from the ring. It wasn't like a pre-recorded message or anything. Uh, what I liked about this is like Bailey tried doing like a, a whack-ass joke about Paige getting injured or some shit. And Paige just let that one sit there in silence and let Bailey just just eat it up. You know, like, oh, that's a, that's a real original joke. Yeah, and It just gave me like a, a vibe from that. You remember the show Space Ghost? Oh, yeah, Coast to Coast. Coast to Coast, baby. It gave me that vibe, like when they would interview people and they'd just be sitting there in silence with uh, Zorak or whatever, just giving that awkward producer glance and everything. Yeah. Yeah, that, that was that was an interesting exchange. It, what did it accumulate to? There's like a six-pack challenge now or something? Yeah, accumulated to Paige, uh, not saying that she had the authority, but saying that she had the authority to make a six-pack challenge. And at first, you're like, she, she didn't announce it was a six-pack challenge. She's just like, you're going to be facing Lacey Evans at WrestleMania. Oh, that's not good enough? You're going to be facing Lacey Evans and Dana Brooke. I'm like, okay, well, pfft. well, that's not good enough? How about Lacey Evans, Dana Brooke, and Tamina? And I'm still, okay. Yeah. It just kept getting getting least interesting by the second. It's like yeah, what? But uh, the the last two are actually the heavy hitters in this. The the, the real contenders for the six pack challenge, and that's Naomi. Which God, I hope she can win a title because she has been getting sidetracked for so long. Yeah. Naomi and her bestie Sasha. Yep. So is this the start of the? Sasha Bailey uh, breakup. I'm gonna say no, Eric, because I've been fooled by that too many times, and I care about you. Okay. Well, yeah, you remember it was one of the most disappointing things in the history of wrestling. That might be a little strong, but you remember how the Sasha and Bailey thing never happened. There's no blow off. There's not. Yeah. It was really the Sasha Bailey uh, tensions when about a year back when they did the therapy. Yeah, all of a sudden it just dissolved. It was very frustrating. Was that because of, like contract disputes with Sasha? Probably. I don't know. It was whack. So I, I think they're gonna go back to that. Well, I'm gonna probably we won't have official uh, uh, picks obviously this week, but I think I am yeah. gonna I think I am gonna pick Sasha in that match. Ooh. Okay. That's that's wild, Eric. I don't know. I think it could be the start of that that whole thing. We'll see. Uh, so yeah, I think that was about it from SmackDown. Uh, uh, yeah. The only other thing was Alexa Bliss made a challenge uh, on her and Nikki Cross's behalf to Oscar for. Uh, well, I, I guess that's just for next week. But you know, that's you know what's coming. It's gonna be a tag team women's tag at Mania. Yep. And uh, Shayna Baszler had a just a terrible promo in ring. Oh, that was on Raw. Oh, okay. Which we can get to. Might as well roll into Raw, buddy. Yeah, that was a... The thing about this empty arena... 
is it really shows the people that suck on the mic and it's hard yeah. it's very hard and yeah uh, you, you gotta work on your chaps yeah so the Shayna Baszler promo was terrible I thought I don't know what's my opinion uh, my, this 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 promo was an interview with uh, Charlie. What's her last name? Caruso. No, I think it was. Uh, I thought it was. Uh, or no, you're right. I think it was her. Yeah, I think you're right. Yep, Charlie Caruso or something like that. I think it was Charlie. But it's, it's yeah, it's just those two sitting in a dark ring. Like you can't even tell it's a ring. It just looks like a living room. That's how dark it is. And. uh... Like, Charlie is apparently all nervous and shit, and Shane's like, what's wrong? Do I intimidate you? Like, yeah, back the fuck up a little bit. Yeah. I, I smell like liver's worse. Yeah, back, back up, Shady. You smell like liver's worse. It was fucking terrible. She was all over, snorting on her like a hog. Like, she's like four foot taller than her in a leather jacket all up in her space. Like, yeah, back up off me. Yeah. Like, I don't know what she was trying to go for. Like, it's not like Charlie's a wrestler. She's never tried to intimidate a single soul in the WWE. She's just doing her fucking job interviewing you. Yeah, and you're up there trying to act like a tough guy to, to a woman that's four feet tall. Yeah. I'm like, okay. But yeah, I didn't care for that. Uh, I did like, I think the, the my, my greatest takeaway from Raw is, uh, Another pretty pretty good promo from AJ. I think his work's been good with Undertaker. Actually, I'm ashamed. It's a shame that this isn't playing out in a normal scenario. Uh, I think AJ's been doing a pretty pretty solid job. But he 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 did some more of that, you know, making fun of Undertaker for basically not being the Undertaker. And oh, uh, AJ is a shining light on this whole crisis as far as wwe is concerned he's carrying their asses right now with his promos yeah no it was i agree man i thought it was a good fucking promo i thought it was hilarious how he made fun of the fact that like the undertaker's out here taking selfies and making social media posts and it's like no you're the undertaker like i know it's 2020 but come on man just be the undertaker i don't want to see that shit yeah i saw you put up on the boom ddt instagram uh, a shot of this where AJ just sounds like the old man. He's like, I want the Undertaker that's ripping souls, not the Undertaker that's tweeting and on Instagram. Yeah. I love when he when he blinks and he looks to the sky and he just says, or he says, I want that Undertaker. And then he just comes to the realization, he's like, he's nowhere to be found. And it's just, <laughs> it's so sad and true. There's nowhere to be found. Uh, but no, I thought it was a pretty solid promo and I liked the addition. I know we don't know what it means, but you have to do something in this, like imagine an entire WrestleMania at just an empty performance center. Like I'm getting nervous, you know, I don't like the sound of it. So I like the fact that they did something. This one's going to be a boneyard match and we don't, we don't know what that is, but fuck if they're just going to put them in a graveyard, at least it takes us out of the performance center. That's true. So I'm fine with it. I don't know what a boneyard match is. I'm assuming it's going to be a graveyard match. But uh, whatever it may be, it gets us out of the performance center. So I, I commend it. That's a, that's, a, that's a very good point, Eric. And there's one more thing from this promo. First off, AJ referenced 
the aforementioned Tiger King that I'm going to go ahead and plug again for anyone who hasn't seen it. Uh, and he he utilized Tiger King into his promo saying, look, look at this, look at what The Undertaker has on Instagram right now. And it shows The Undertaker in a pool with who I'm assuming is Michelle McCool, but I'm not that familiar with her face. Yeah, it is. And it's just with the tiger, he's like, we got to do what we can to save these animals or something like that. He, he sucked into the one of the one of the three cats from, uh, no pun intended, from Tiger King. Yeah, it's one of Doc Doc Antle. He's at Doc Antle's sanctuary, swimming with a tiger. Swimming yeah. <laughs> with the tigers, just, God, just soaking it all up. Yeah, when I see that, I'm, I'm, I'm 110% with AJ. I'm like, yeah, man. I want the fucking dead man. Well, I think the difference is, like, yeah, it's 2020 and nobody holds kayfabe like that anymore, but the, the that character runs so deep and over so many years that it's like if anybody should be should be holding it, it's him. Yeah. Just be yeah, it. You are, like, the one person in the business that, like, just can't break kayfabe on the public life. Yeah, just be it or don't be it. Like, if, if you want to retire and then move on to that shit, that's fine. But it's, it's hard to be both when you're the Undertaker. Exactly. So, but, so I thought it was hilarious what he did. I think that's about all, like, oh, Randy Orton basically accepts uh, Edge's challenge at the end of the program. With, with a pretty good yeah. promo. He's doing good work, too. Oh yeah, he's 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 pulling out his uh, active movie chops for sure. Getting really serious and looking at the camera and using lighting and shit to his effect, you know. Yeah, yep. I think um, I think that's all I, I have. I, I have two more things for Raw, really quick that I want to touch on. Uh, they they had a match: Garza and uh, Almas versus Alexander and Ricochet. This match by itself is pretty good, but then they brought out the Street Profits to, like, you know, help hype it up because it's an empty arena. They need some sort of spice to help you get through. Yeah. And at first, uh, Street Profits got on commentary. I swear to God, at first, uh, Dawkins, I want to say Dawkins, the skinny one? Um... No, Dawkins no, is the big guy. Angelo Dawkins is the big guy. What's the little guy's name? Montez Ford. Yeah, yep. Oh, I think it's D'Angelo, maybe. D'Angelo Dawkins and Montez Ford, yep. <laughs> At first, the commentary didn't know how to deal with them, so they, like, asked them super serious questions, like, while they're trying to get hyped, so Montez Ford would have to, like, go into, like, interview-type mode, and, like, he was all low-voiced. I swear to God, they went to commercial and like, hey, when we come back, we need you guys to be like five times as hyped. They came back for commercial. It's just like all yelling from there on out. That's, like just get fuck wild over the match. That's awesome. That's kind of what you discussed last week. And you know who else did that was uh, Sami Zayn on SmackDown during that tag team match. Yes. They both, so yeah, I, I agree. And it did work a lot better. Like Sami was actually yelling at the people in the ring. While doing commentary, and I agree, it did help a lot. Yeah, you, you just you need that third party since the audience isn't there. You need someone like really interacting with what's going on in the ring besides just commentating on it. 
So I like that. And then uh, one more, one last thing from Raw was the Rollins KO promo. Because, my God, Rollins, when we least expected it, pulled out a fucking brilliant promo out of his ass, in my opinion, Eric. Let's see, I'm not sure if I got to see this. If I did, I didn't see it. Oh, man, he was just... It's it's a simple enough promo. He's like, you think that he's talking to KO directly? He's a face to face. He's like, you think that given you having this match, if the performance center gives you an edge over me, the only reason this performance center exists is because of me. All this, all this stuff, just like touting his own record, living up the Monday Night Messiah type thing. Yeah, and he's like, he's like, and you think. You can beat me at WrestleMania. Just look at our records at WrestleMania. He's like, I beat the trip. I beat Triple H. I beat Roman Reigns. I beat Brock Lesnar. What have you done? And KO's just standing there, like KO didn't have a response. He just let Rollins do his promo, and it was like a mic drop situation. But I thought Rollins knocked it out of the park. Nice. It wasn't him with his goons. It was just straight up Rollins and KO in there, and it, it's done perfectly. I'm like, wow. Huh. If Rollins takes a step back out of the Messiah role and just like has some time to work on a solid promo, he really can do some good shit. That's yeah. I I honestly don't think I got that on the Hulu cut, which is really strange. I don't remember that at all. But that's cool. Huh, yeah, it was in the latter parts uh, before the Charlotte Oscar Mania match. If you got that on the Raw cut, it was before that. Okay. All right. Well, um, check it out. Oh, for sure. Uh, so we got WrestleMania not this weekend, but next, correct? Uh, yeah, starting next Saturday. So if we can, we should try and get the podcast in before next Saturday. Yeah, if we, we can. Yeah, we can. So we can. Uh, so we'll do our predictions then. Um, yeah. Like I said, we're running over on time, but we still want to do a. We still do have a Boom DDT dollar bin for you. Yeah, we do. So if you want to give Bork a jingle, uh, we'll see if we can knock one of those out real quick. Okay. Let me grab it. That's the document. And now, our feature presentation. All right, sauce. We got the boom DDT dollar bit with uh, Milkman movie expert Bork here. Say what's up, Bert. Hello, boys. Oh, what's up, Bork? We are uh, we are dreadfully over time here. And, uh, <laughs> running long. <laughs> we're running long, and I got to uh, I got to watch the boy while uh, the wife has to make a, uh, a conference call, if you will, with the client. So we are running, a li- uh, we're running a little low on time, but we still wanted to do the Boom DDT dollar bin. Uh, what what movie do you have for us this week? Uh, today was a Triple H movie, and I don't know how to pronounce uh, Triple H's real name, Paul something. Levesque? Paul Levesque. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I watched this movie on Hulu called uh, Inside Out, and it's not the Pixar movie. It's a 2011 movie. It's like a crime drama action movie. 
And I, did you boys get a chance to watch it? I did. Yes, I saw it. Oh, garbage. Oh, it was terrible. I mean, it's it's it's, it's just a movie. That's all it is. Yeah, it's not terrible in the way that our last dollar bin was, which was terrible yeah. and enjoyable. This one was just terrible. Yeah, there's no good elements. Um, I'll give you guys a little bio. But uh, after being released from prison, after serving 13 years, AJ, who is Triple H, dreams of living a crime-free life soon to end when he discovers his childhood friend Jack... Uh, played by Michael Rappaport, <laughs> has been marked for death. Oh. Now, that summary is simple, but like this movie was confusing as hell. Yeah. It was. It was terrible. And why was his because, name? Why was his name AJ? Real quick, sorry. Doesn't like uh, AJ to me? For like Arlo something. It was like Arlo Jane, but like Jane was spelled with like a Y. It was like really weird, like a southern name, I guess, or something. I don't know. AJ to me doesn't scream badass, but continue. I see a dork. But go yeah. ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, it had Michael Rappaport. It had Parker Posey. It had Bruce Dern. I was like, okay, this movie might be kind of good. But it was horrible. Like, the only good part about it was Triple H, actually, like... I thought he did a decent acting job. He was very kind of low-key. I know. Isn't that hilarious? Like, I was thinking the same thing. Like, Michael Rapport's like an actual actor, and I know it's part of his character, but he was seriously annoying the fuck out of me. The first, yeah, yeah. The first 20 minutes, he just kept talking. I was like, oh, I don't know if I can watch this movie if this motherfucker's just going to keep talking. <laughs> yeah, th- this movie takes place in Louisiana, and, like, he's giving you, like, New York narration the whole time, and, like, this guy, this life's gonna change, and let me tell you about the good guy here, AJ, I'm like, aren't you, like, you're supposed to have a southern accent, like, what's, what's going on here, Mike? Yeah. Until you said that, Bert, I did not know it was taking place in Louisiana, I was really confused by the fact that there was a mob involved. Uh, Colonel Sanders, whoever plays that guy, was looking all New Yorkish. Uh, Michael Rappaport obviously was like Brooklyn as hell with his hand gestures and everything. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, it took place in the South, but it did not feel like a Southern movie. It was real weird. Because Michael Rappaport is like, is he like a Boston guy or something in real life? Rappaport, I think he's just all New York, baby. He's yeah. he is so fucking annoying. I think he's all in New York and hip-hop and fuck you to get a cab. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we interrupted you earlier and it didn't get to finish your thoughts. So why was this mu- movie confusing? Um, it's a crime movie, but it has like two or three stories going in between. But AJ, or Tri- I'll just use their real names, Triple H gets released from prison and his buddy Mike Rappaport picks him up and you could tell that like, he used to work with their family, and they're like a small crime family in Louisiana, but he works for his dad, Bruce Dern, and he's like a veterinarian legally, but he's like running small criminal operations like... Smuggling cigarettes. cigarettes. Yeah, smuggling cigarettes, basically. I'm like, that's not much of a crime, but okay. Yeah. But yeah, he's, he's cheating the state of Louisiana on their cigarettes by stealing them and selling them to like gas stations for cheaper so that's his empire 
and there's just there's murder involved of like an undercover agent that's trying to like work with the government to tax them or like catch Bruce Stern's character for smuggling cigarettes and basically they just pull AJ back into this criminal lifestyle that he was going to leave behind because he was supposed to be like the heavy like the enforcer I guess or yeah, but it never really felt like that. Like it's a classic tale of trying to get the old criminal back into his his ways when he's like trying to be reformed and just be a pickle man. I was gonna say all these prison movies—they have that one thing that gets these guys through. They have that one item that they're gonna dedicate their life to. And Triple H is in this movie is pickles. Like, yeah, he's gonna. What are you gonna do? He's like, oh no, I'm just gonna get out, open shop. Pickles. Yeah. See how it goes. Like, well, she be jarring pickles. Well, okay. was that supposed to be funny? Because they brought it back like they went to the pickle well six times throughout the movie. I think yeah, I think it's just supposed to be the heartwarming moment where you're just kind of like, oh, it's just a guy. He's just a guy. He's not a criminal. Like, he just yeah. wants to make pickles. He's just gonna share a pickle with you and laugh in the kitchen or whatever. Taking a beat behind the curtain, he wanted to start his life up based on pickles. How much money are you making it off of pickles? Yeah. Like it sounded like he's actually got the drug cover up or something, you know? Yeah. You yeah, went, like you went you from a shop dedicated strictly to pickles. Yeah, you went from organized crime to pickles. Okay. Uh, Which I was gonna say, what would your business slash restaurant look like? It's just gonna be a business with just jars of brine everywhere. Yeah, retail pickles, man. We got all kinds let of flavors. Let me just scoop out a few of these big boys for you. Uh, yeah, this movie was was terrible. I spent the whole time admiring Triple H's hairline. Oh, tight. That was a tight ponytail. I was like, God, that's a good ass hairline, man. That is an amazing hairline. It's it's the hairline that trip that uh, Chris Jericho wishes he had. Yeah. Have you guys exactly. no- Have you guys noticed Jericho's uh, like all of a sudden when he grew his hair out, he came back with this totally like fake ass some kind of scientific long hairline like he's had plugs or something yeah like jericho reminds me of like an old lion or like how you like dress as like a broadway theater lion like just the hair just (laughs) yeah he looks like you know what his hair looks like he looks like the hair on uh did you guys ever watch baskets on fx yeah it looks like uh zach galifianakis's mom uh, which was Louis oh, Louis Anderson. Yeah, Louis Anderson. It looked like the wig they put on Louis Anderson. <laughs> like that's what Jericho's hair looks like. It's just this perfect hairline that's clearly not uh, real. It's amazing. But yeah, uh, tri- Triple H, hell of a hairline, man. That's a sweet pony. It looked badass, but there wasn't there wasn't a lot of action in this movie. There was a couple scenes where he has to take out some henchmen. But, like, it's real, he just does weird stuff. He wraps his hand in cardboard and, like, punches through a window and just, he wrestles them a little bit. He gives them a kick and throws them. The more I got through this movie, the more I kept thinking, okay, this is something that Jim and Nancy, my parents, would like, who are 70 years old. (laughs) Like, it's more like a law and order type crime drama than it was an action flick. Yeah, it was was bad. There was, like, one or two action scenes, and then, yeah, it just cuts a lot from, like, conversation at one place to conversation at another place, like, and you never really get a sense of time or location, like, it just, all of a sudden you're in another conversation, so the movie kind of just 
just kind of rambles on. It's kind of weird. It's, yeah, it's disconnected. And here's here's the twist. Uh, Triple H, like Michael Rappaport, has a wife and a kid. The kid's thirteen, and it's a daughter. And she keeps asking Triple H questions, like I hear you and my mom used to date, blah blah blah. We come to find out, Triple H, you are the father. Yes. Oh, yeah, I forgot to mention there's a love triangle all along. Yeah. But yeah. And I knew that, Jeff, as soon as, like, I started watching the movie, I'm like, oh, that's his fucking daughter. Like, they're going to tell him that later in the movie. Like, Yeah, Triple H was... They're going to bond over pickles, and then later you're going to find out that's your, that's your kin. Oh, yeah, Triple H was, was cucking Michael Rappaport all along. It's like, how, how are you going to how are you gonna stand up to Triple H, Mike? Seriously? I, I was so confused. Is Rappaport, by the end of this, supposed to be a good guy or a bad guy? Because I thought he was a dick. I thought he was, like, trying to turn him in and shit. Yeah, it's a weird turn because, like, they all get in trouble because of uh, Rappaport's decisions. And then, like, in the end, he just kills himself. Yeah. And then they're a perfect family. Like, Triple H and Parker Posey just run off with their daughter and everything's forgotten. But you have another pickle <laughs> joke. Wait, did I make a pickle pun? I didn't even realize it. No, no, no. At, at the end of the movie. Where, where oh, all, God. Well, they just... He's like, I think I could go for a pickle right now. Oh, like, my God. Yeah, I'm about to grab the pickle. Pepper. The kid's name is Pepper, too, which is just god-awful. Yeah. Let's grab the pickles, and then what do you know? All the looted stash... Spoiler alert is in the pickle charts. Man, they probably call his shop was going to be called Pepper's Pickles in, oh, the, in the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, uh, is that is that all you got, Bork? Yeah, I was going to say we don't really have. I was going to talk to you boys at a later time, but we don't really have a rating system. But I suggest don't watch this one. Yeah, well, we do need to come up with a rating to... system, but I, I say definitely do not watch on this one. We got some other probably more entertaining ones coming up. One thing I'll mention is this was written by some guy, and he only has two credits. He has this wrestling movie, and he also has another movie starring Jamie Kennedy and Edge called Bending the Rules. Oh, my God. So that's that's definitely on the list. <laughs> and uh, there's – hold on. There's one other fact. Oh, yeah. This movie was passed around like it, it wasn't offered to Triple H first. It was Dave Bautista's movie, oh. and then they offered it to Shawn Michaels. Oh God! And then I think he turned it down. And then Vince was like, "Yeah, give it to Triple H," and he took it. Yeah, but <laughs> so he, he did. Got the scraps. I mean, but he he really did do a decent job. I mean, yeah, he was the best part of it. Yeah, I don't think that he screwed it up. I think it was out of his hands there. I think the fans. Or the audience of the show will like, there's a hero shot where he kicks two henchmen's ass, and then he's bending down in the hero pose, and he cocks that gun, and the bolt flies right at the camera. He's just unloading the chamber just to make sure it's safe. Oh, so badass. Man, I'm going to have to find that screenshot. <laughs> yeah, that's all I got for you, boys. All right. It's a bad well, movie. Well, <laughs> it's a bad movie. All right, well, thank you, Borg, for another edition of the Boom DDT Dollar Bin. Thank you, guys. Well, uh, we'll, we'll, Bert. What were we saying, Jeff? We'll talk to you later. All right, later, Bert. Bye. I just cut him off. <laughs> All right. Well, that that's about it for us, Jeff. I gotta get I gotta get out of here and make this thing happen. Yeah, I gotta get out of the work as well. We we 
Got a little wrestling, but I mean, WrestleMania's next week, so we'll have our predictions and shit. Yeah, well, not we, we won't overbook next week, so we got plenty of time to talk wrestling. Oh, for sure. All right, dude. Well, we'll catch you later. We'll do it again next week, huh? Sounds good, buddy. Night, night. Night, night. But now I don't understand. Now I don't. Now I don't understand. Good. Okay.